Well, we're going to move on with our series on the Holy Spirit. And the, uh, the, the theme of this idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. And my objective is to introduce you to gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, not necessarily go through every single one of them. We're going to have a subsequent message on that with more detail next week, but just the concept. What's going on here? What is this? What are they for? And uh, what can we learn about them? So how many of you remember the TV show? Not the movies that have come of late, but the old school TV show, Mission Impossible. Can you hum, can you hum me the theme song? Huh? Dun, dun, da, da, dun, dun. Come on, church. Dun, dun, da, da. Now those things sink in, don't they? There was this old show. Now it's a series of Tom Cruise movies. Uh, they're still pretty good and pretty crazy. But remember, there would be this show every week, and then somebody would, one of the agents would go someplace to a remote, remote location and turn over a rock, and there would be a cassette tape. Hmm. And he would play, put it in the cassette player, and the cassette tape would say something like, uh, the Middle East crisis needs to be solved in 27 hours. This is your job, should you choose to accept it. And then what always happened to the tape after it played? It would destroy, poof, poof. And it, remember, remember, it seems so, so forward-thinking, and it seems so magical, so modern. Wow, the technology. Our kids now just look at that and say, oh, my poor parents, what they had to grow up with. <laughs> but the thing that was consistent about these challenges is they were really always impossible. How in the world are they going to do that? Like, one of them, you know, like, okay, your mission is to paint a 747 while it's flying at 35,000 feet at full speed, should you choose to accept it. That's the kind of challenging, crazy missions these guys would be on, week after week after week. But let me tell you something you may already know, you probably have already experienced, you certainly have when you've really thought about it. Those fictitious stories and challenges have nothing on what God has asked the church to do. I mean, talk about mission instinct and possible. The challenges we face as followers of Jesus make our mission incredibly and increasingly impossible. I wrote to somebody, I think it, I told him in the prayer time this morning, I believe it was actually a not a private message after Facebook, but I think this one turned out, I wrote publicly to uh, our brother Andy Ward in a conversation with him on Facebook. I said, we were talking about the challenges of leader, Christian leadership these days, and I said, I know, Andy, sometimes I think I'm going to get to retirement just in time to drop dead from exhaustion. It's such a crazy, challenging time to lead into the kind of prayer that Ben read, that Pastor Walter wrote for his denomination, isn't it? How do, you, how do you maintain unity without and kindness and moving forward in common mission while you have reasonable disagreements with each other but still remain precious and tender toward one another and present this message of Christ? I mean, it's always been impossible. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? Remember his mission impossible? When he said, here am I, Lord, send me. And the mission, though, was this. Okay, 
Here's mission impossible. Should you choose to accept it? Go into a world and challenge them to follow God. And here's your guarantee. Not one single person will listen to you. Not one. Go ahead, go. Mission impossible. Remember the mission of Jesus? The Father sends the Son to earth to take on human form, to live a human life, to suffer with his parents through adolescence, to preach a message of love, to be rejected by his own people, cursed and crucified after being beaten half to death, laughed at, spit upon, to have his garments gambled for. Go and cause them to see the light. Now there's resurrection, so there's more to that story. But even for those who got the message and followed him, they still lived in a world that was not receptive. Mission impossible. And what's the Matthew, what's Matthew's challenge to the church? Giving us our mission from God. Go into all the world, make, it says disciples, but it make apprentices, make Christ followers, Jesus says. Like you've been with me, go to every single ethnicity, every single part of the world, every single persuasion, everything. Go to all of that diverse collection of people and convince them to come and align themselves under the kingship, the lordship, the leadership of Jesus and his teachings. Shoot, you might as well ask us to stand in front of the granite-infested Colorado Rockies and dig a train tunnel through the whole series of mountains with a tablespoon. It's mission impossible. And it's not like Jesus didn't get it. When Jesus sent out the 70, you know what he said to them? Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, both at the same time. This is Matthew's, Matthew 10. In Luke 4, where he says the same thing, it's a little shorter version of the same thing, he adds, and carry no money, no belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way, just go, picking up on Matthew again. But beware of people, for they will hand you over to courts, scourge you in their synagogues. And about this time, I'm sitting in that group saying, are you trying to talk me into doing this or out of it? You will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Moving forward to verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death. That's a painful thing. The one you should trust with your life betrays you to death. I think there are some Christians feeling that way about other Christians today, by the way. Let's be careful. Let's be loving. Let's try to understand. And a father, it gets worse, and a father, his own child, and children will rise up against parents, cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because you go, as I'm calling you to go now. You'll be hated by them in my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. And whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Jesus understood that this was mission impossible. And that's 
where the issue of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the people called and loved by the Holy Spirit comes in. Because the church has people as crazy as our mission sounds. Every single local church and the collective church has people who are equipped for the impossible task of reaching and loving an incredibly and increasingly diverse world. The Holy Spirit makes use of what scripture calls spiritual gifts that enable us to do what would otherwise be undoable. The Holy Spirit makes use of spiritual gifts that enable followers of Christ and the church to do what would otherwise be undoable. We're not certain about how we receive spiritual gifts or when we receive spiritual gifts. We're not really even certain when we study scripture, but every nuance and detail about spiritual gifts. Here's what we are sure of. <coughs> Somebody get me a little cup of water. Uh, thank you. Here's what we are sure of. We are sure about why they're given to us and that everyone who chooses to follow Christ has one or more. We're sure about that. So what we want to do today is just get an introduction to this concept, this idea of spiritual gifts, nothing really fancy or profound. Many of you have probably heard all of this already. We're going to move more into that, more deeply and particularly into that next week as we ask questions like, how do I discover what my gifts are and things related to that. But I want to introduce a series of questions and respond to them that I hope bring some clarity and some general introduction. And the first question is this. It's a question that some, maybe even most in here, already know the answer to, but not everybody. What are spiritual gifts? Is there a definition that will work what a spiritual gift is? Here's a definition I offer. A spiritual gift is a talent or ability that is either newly ignited, in other words, it was already maybe there in some form, but it's newly ignited, or newly planted, something maybe that wasn't there before a person followed Christ. So a talent or ability that is either newly ignited or newly planted in a person, as a result of the decision to follow Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens when a person chooses to follow Jesus. So it's either a pre-existing talent or ability. Thank you so much. Thanks. A pre-existing talent or ability. Hey, I was a good administrator before I became a Christian, but now that's sort of been lit on fire and I want to use it for the kingdom of God purposes. Or a brand new ability that still maybe needs to be developed that I think, well, I never really had that in my life before I became a Christian. But all of a sudden, I started to long for, long to show mercy or a, a, a propensity toward mercy that I don't think I can ever remember having before. But then that develops over the years. And by the time you're old and you've been practicing that, you sort of major in mercy. It's a gift of mercy. So it goes either way. We don't, we don't know if these are talents that get baptized or brand new abilities we get. We don't know. But we can observe, we know this, Holy Spirit either ignites or implants an ability, a gift, a talent, and he wants to use it for his purpose. And every single Christian has spiritual gifts. And they make mission impossible possible. Second question is this, 
What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of them? And scripture gives us insight into that. The three texts that I'll point to primarily that are purpose texts. These aren't the only places you can get some idea of the purpose of a spiritual investment, a spiritual gift, talent, or ability in you. But these are the main ones. Ephesians 4. And the purpose here is, Ephesians 4 says spiritual gifts are offered, and they put, it puts it this way, for the building up of the saints, for the encouragement, lifting up, building up, uh, uh, investment and maturity, contributing to the success and the, and the strength and stability of the church, of the saints, of the people who are following Christ. The equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, it says, these are spiritual gifts, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature person, to the measure of the stature which belongs the fullness of Christ. So spiritual gifts, one purpose is, I'm in relationship with, uh, say, Jeff and Ben, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Ben, close relationship, and we are in close, painfully honest, productive, redemptive relationship with each other. And we sit down, the three of us, and we discover and then use our spiritual gifts to help each other be lifted up, be strengthened, be encouraged, to not want to give up, uh, whatever it might be. So the spiritual gift is for the encouragement, for the lifting up, the building up of the saints. 1 Corinthians 12 says sort of the same thing, but it comes at it from a little bit different angle. In 1 Corinthians 12, another place where, where these gifts are mentioned, the idea is that the purpose of spiritual gifts is for the common good of the body of Christ. So that includes the idea of encouraging and lifting each other up, but it also implies an awareness of the common mission the common good that the church needs to do, that whatever is in the best interest of God is in the best interest of the church. It's the common good idea. So spiritual gifts are given so that we can move forward in mission together while we're building each other up. Each of you should use whatever gift, excuse me, that's 1 Peter, 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, there are different kinds of workings, of gifts, of abilities, of working things out. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, this particular manifestation, whatever your particular manifestation of gift is, manifestation of the Spirit, it's given for the common good, 1 Corinthians says. So I've got spiritual gifts, you've got spiritual gifts, we work together with our strengths and abilities that the Holy Spirit is igniting so that the church can move forward in mission and stay healthy and loving while we're doing it. Purpose of spiritual gifts. Building up the saints. They're given for the common good, the body of Christ. And then finally, what 1 Peter 4 notes. Again, you'll see a common element, a common theme here. But he goes more to the point of spiritual gifts being given so that you can serve other people with them. So here's where we have to be careful. Spiritual gifts are not given so that you can be proud of your spiritual gift and make sure everybody knows you have it and be recognized for it and be real loud and boisterous about it. Spiritual gift is given so that you can humble yourself 
kiss the feet of Jesus by acting in the best interest of the other person, serving other people. Listen to how Peter puts it. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And implied in there is the fact that to use a talent or ability as a Christian in a way that doesn't serve others but acts primarily in your own best interest is not a faithful expression of faith. It's a lack of faithfulness. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God, the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The purpose of spiritual gifts. Third question. What are some of these spiritual gifts and where are they found in Scripture? And I tell you this, I hope you'll reference these and go back and dwell there for a while. Come back and read the devotion that we, that's launched, I think, on Wednesday on the website. Every week after the sermon, whoever preached writes a devotional for further reflection during the week on the theme of the message. What are these spiritual gifts and where are they found in Scripture? The spiritual gifts that are mentioned in Scripture by the way, this may or may not be a complete list. All three of us, Jeff, Ben, and I, suspect this is a sampling. It's not really a, a rigid, complete list. It may be. It's okay if it is. There's plenty there. But it may not be. But the ones that we have in Scripture generally fall under these three headings. Gifts of speaking, like teaching. Gifts of caring. You have gifts of mercy, so on and so forth. Or gifts of leading, so you have administration and things that help, help the church move forward and get collective and get things done. They all fall generally under those categories. And where do you find them? Well, in Romans 12, you'll find things like this listed. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching. And again, we're not going to go into explaining today what each of those is. I'm not even sure we'll get very far into that. Um, in this preaching series. We are talking, by the way, of after we're done with this series, having a, some sort of a seminar uh, during one of the worship hours on what are called the miraculous gifts. So the speaking in tongues and prophecy and words of wisdom and things like that. Uh, what are those? And is there some place we can talk about what that means and what scripture teaches? We might have, where we can have more discussion. Uh, so keep, keep an ear open for that. But... Prophecy, service, and teaching. 1 Corinthians 12, so you have Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, there are things that are mentioned. Administration, the gift of apostle, which may actually be an office, or somebody with a gift that therefore can hold an office. A lot of this is open for discussion, but it's kind of fun. The gift of discernment, which I'm convinced Pastor Jeff has. That's one of his gifts, I'm convinced of it. Gift of faith or healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and gifts of wisdom. Those are some of the things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. In Ephesians 4, here's where the office, is it an office or a gift, is a question. And, and theologians have great discussions about this. Is Paul mentioning these are offices that should be held in the church? Or is he talking about these are gifts 
or some combination where these are gifted persons who therefore hold offices. Either way, it's a, a great study. Gift of apostle, gift of evangelism, gift of pastor, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of teaching. Are those gifts or offices or both? And then you have miscellaneous Ephesians 4. So we have Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 as the primary places we go to read about spiritual gifts and see what some of them are. And then there are miscellaneous passages that by reference imply spiritual gifts like the gift of celibacy. It's not as overtly stated as a spiritual gift, but by implication when you read that, you may, may uh, see that as a gift. Or the gift of hospitality, or the gift of martyrdom, or the gift of missionary, uh, the gift of volunteer poverty. These are some of the things that are mentioned as spiritual gifts and some of the places that they're mentioned. So what are spiritual gifts? Offer the definition. What's the purpose of spiritual gifts? We told you. What are they and where are they found? Those are some of the places they are. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Stephen Bevins said, he's one of the great missiologists of our times, and we've used this quote here several times, but it's worthy of repeating. Stephen Bevins reminded, listen everybody, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. And that church is way over her head when it comes to doing her part in that mission. Don't you feel over your head with that challenge that Jesus offered us? She's over her head. Unless she is built up by and equipped with the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. And then she is only over her head if the Holy Spirit is over his. It's a daring thing to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit, to ask what they are, to discover them, and to employ them in such a wild task as the one we're given in this world. Go and make peace. Go and teach people how to make peace. Go and talk about the Jesus over which so many people stumble. Unless we're equipped with the gifts from the Holy Spirit, we'll stay over our heads. Unless we're leaning into the talents or abilities that are either newly ignited or newly planted in a Christian as a result of that person being a Christian and therefore dealt with the Holy Spirit, it will be mission impossible. You remember, some, many of you never saw what this facility looked like before we did this remodel two or three years ago. There's what it looked like. That was the first piece of equipment brought on site. If it were here today, it would be in, I believe, in the middle of our youth room, if we're in that same place. You see over there to the left side where you see trees, and it's up. that's now this beautiful window wall and lobby. And to get this thing done, 
One of the things that we watched was we watched the construction crew work through the challenge that they didn't anticipate. They had, it was an extra onto the cost to, work, to get through all sorts of sheer rock to build the foundation. Over in this area, especially all up and down where the walkway is and the foundation for this extension to the lobby, it was sheer rock. They could not dig it with a backhoe. They couldn't do it. They couldn't use picks and shovels or backhoes and tractors. They wouldn't have gotten through that rock if they would have put the whole crew and all of the equipment on that one project for the entire duration of the project. It would still be there laughing at them. What they had to do was they had to bring in, when I asked our supervisor, Joe, how are you going to do that? He said, with pneumatic tools. <laughs> what are pneumatic? What do you mean? He said, jackhammers and pneumatic tools. And when you add a pneumatic to the challenge, the challenge becomes more doable. We'll bust through that rock. It'll be hard. It'll be loud. It'll be difficult. And it'll take time. But there will be a foundation there where there used to be stone. I was thinking about that this week. That's obviously why I put the picture up. Because some of you know what the Greek word for Holy Spirit is. If you know it, shout it out. Pneuma. Pneumatic. The church's challenge is not unlike that challenge. In fact, it far exceeds it. We stand with an impossible mission facing a mountain of granite, holding a tablespoon and butter knife in our hand with the intention of building a tunnel. Impossible. Until the Holy Spirit breathes on our abilities, deposits abilities, gives us spiritual gifts. And then, church, and only then, when spiritual gifts are employed, mission impossible becomes mission completely possible. Spiritual gifts. Good thing this Holy Spirit we serve offers them. Let's pray. I don't get how you expect the church to be able to share the gospel and win followers of Christ in a diverse world when we're not even very good at being able to sit down to a cup of coffee in a diverse church when we disagree. Can't even figure out how to reach North Marin County when we live in South Marin County except that we are convinced, Holy Spirit, that you don't provide unfunded mandates when you challenge your church. You give us spiritual gifts. You keep us awake at night, dreaming about what could be and what could be in us and what we might be able to offer. You keep us convinced that there still are such things as miracles, as a powerful God who will see people loving each other and following him. And so even reluctantly, you want to say, yes, show us what we contribute. 
Make us aware of what we're capable of and what we have deposited in us. And let us give those gifts to you the same way we walk forward and put gifts in a basket today. So that in fact, O oh Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. If you're looking for a church to get that done, you find one here. Hey folks, may he in fact find one here.